Welcome to everyone. It's good to see everyone back here tonight on a on a Sunday evening. How we can how we can join together in worship and praise to our God and to and to be able to to just sit back and, and relax on the on this Sunday evening and uh, and to spend time in in study uh, and in song. At, I know this this is LTT, LTC time. Uh, I saw the, the notebooks coming out. Uh, I, as uh, Chad was sitting there back doing his doing his kids' homework uh, tonight, so I so I know that it's time for for LTC again. Uh, and if you aren't signed up for it, or you have kids in the third through twelfth grade, I'm sure the Sprots and the Riches would be happy to take you in. Uh, my wife and I did that ministry for uh, for several years here at Oldham Lane, and just. Uh, and know that it's it's very beneficial to the kids as they continue to grow up and and uh, learning that this year they're studying uh, the the life of Moses so they're covering all the way from Exodus to uh, through Deuteronomy uh, and the stories that they go through that and I want to take one of the stories uh, that comes from there as we we take a look at this tonight uh, and I want to specifically come from Exodus chapter seven and the the story of uh, of the of Aaron's rod turning to a snake, so uh, when I when I thought of this, I thought of this. Uh, I thought of this uh, from uh, 1981. Doesn't seem like it should be that long ago, uh, but uh, Indiana Jones, uh, the character here, Harrison Ford, just come off a couple and make making a couple of successful movies as as Han Solo. But he he branched out with Steven Spielberg and made this new movie, Indiana Jones. And in this movie, he has this fear of snakes. This almost seems out of character. Our, our very first introduction of the hero in, in the, Raider of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, it sets up Jones as a fearless adventurer, one that is calm, collected, and quick with a bullwhip uh, that he carries around with him. And within the first few minutes of the film, Jones is dodging booby traps, leaping over a bottomless pit, outrunning a huge boulder, and, and makes his escape to a waiting seaplane while narrowly avoiding being shot with poison blow darts. Uh, by, by a tribe. Uh, Jones allows himself to relax until the seaplane pilot's pet snake Reggie starts crawling up towards him. And in, the, in, in this, he, he starts getting very uncalm, uh, like, just like he was for the first few minutes of the movie, uh, uh, to the point of being anxious and uh, starting to yell at the pilot. The fear of snakes, known as Ophidiophobia, I'm not sure I pronounced that right, is one of the most common fears uh, of, of people. Uh, in 2022, there was one poll that placed it as uh, one of the top fears for Americans. Nearing one-third uh, of all adults have some fear of snakes. And, and two-thirds of those who, who do have a fear fear them a lot. Uh, they become paralyzed at, at the sight of a snake. And uh, in, in this movie, uh, it's kind of uh, justified because it, th this quote comes from a scene when the, the, the roof of the well of souls is moved away. The character Salah notices that the floor of the chamber seems to be moving. And you can see the I hope I'm wrong look on his, come across Jones's face as he takes a torch and drops it to the ground. And his fears are realized. The floor is littered with deadly snakes prompting the iconic line, Snakes? Why did it have to be snakes? Uh, his one fear uh, of, this, of this iconic, brave character. But in Exodus chapter 7, we, we, see a different, we see a different story. 
we see how snakes are used to display the power and the purpose of God. And as we, as we take a look at this, as we take a look at this story in Exodus chapter 7, let, let's read through that real quick, and then we're going to, we're going to dive deep into the story and some of the potential messages for us as individuals and how we can continue to grow from this. From Exodus chapter 7, beginning in verse number 1. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become, may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord has said. In this story, this this. This passage that comes from Exodus chapter 7. Moses, as the author of this, is recounting the time when he had to face down, when he had to face down Pharaoh. Now, in this story, as you look back through this, you see God is taking this message personally. Over and over again, he's using personal pronouns with this. This is not him going off to have Moses do his bidding for him. This is a personal thing with God. In these first in these first few verses it says, "I have made you. I command you. I will harden. I will multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. I will lay my hand, my host, my people, the children of Israel. I will stretch out my hand." Over and over again, just in these first few verses of this chapter, this is personal with God. He has heard the outcry of his people, and he, he is taking this personally. This is no longer even an affront to the people of Israel. This is now an affront to God Almighty. And he's coming in with a mighty hand, as he, as he says in here, that he is going to show his signs and his miracles, and he is going to change the, the mindset of what goes on there in Egypt and all of the land to let them know that these are his people. Now, as he comes, as Moses comes into his presence, this isn't his first visit to Pharaoh. And it, even in recent times, 40 years before, he had lived in the house of Pharaoh, probably still the same family that was there when he, when he was younger. And 40 years ago, he had fled. 
But now he's already come back, and he tried to convince Pharaoh to, to, do, to, to let God's people go. But because of, because of that first visit, Pharaoh only came down harder upon the Israelites. He said, now the bricks that you were making, make them without straw. So in other words, the, the job just got harder. They now have to keep the mud collected so that it can harden without the straw in place to help keep it, to help keep its form. So they, they have to work twice as hard in the midst of this because this Moses guy came in and, and, and told them that this is what needed to happen. But, he, but in the midst of this, he says, he tells Pharaoh, he still is telling uh, Moses, tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. And so Moses goes back. But this Moses that comes back, note what, they, note what their names mean. In the literal Hebrew, Moses means drawn out. Because he was drawn out of the Nile River when he was, when he was a young baby. So the, the Pharaoh's daughter named him that. But his name means much more than that because he was not only drawn out of the Nile River as a protection for, for himself, but he was also drawn out. He was called out to be a leader of the people. And he was, he was set to be the leader that God had set uh, before his people. And then Aaron, his literal name means light bringer. And it's ironic because, that, because he is going to be the first priest of Israel. At the age of 83, he is called to be a, to be a light bringer to the people. That he, he is going to show the way to, to Pharaoh that, his, that the people need to go. And when they, when they come out, then he is going to be the first high priest. But even more so, the name Israel. The name he gave, God gave to, to Jacob long time ago. 400 years before, Jacob was wrestling with God, and God blessed him with the name Israel. He gave him a name change, and a name change is a significant thing, just like when Abram became Abraham. But now, in, in that time, when Jacob became Israel, it's because God, he wrestled against God and he prevailed. But notice, he didn't say, God didn't give him the name Jacob prevailed. His name means God prevails. Because he wants him to know that no matter your circumstances, you might wrestle with me, but God is going to prevail in this circumstance. And he calls the, the people now, by that. He, not, just the, not just the sons of Israel, but these are now the people of Israel. The people of God prevails. And he's letting them know just by that name that you, this is now, you are now a nation of Israel, that you are going to come out and, that God, and it's because God will prevail in this circumstance. Pharaoh's armies don't stand a chance in the midst of this. But as, he, as, as Moses is brought before Pharaoh, he tells him, see, I have, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. That's what he starts off with in, in, verse, in, the, very first of this, uh, in the very first of this chapter. Because Pharaoh doesn't understand 
that there is actually a God. He believes himself to be God and that the people that come before him, they, they know how to play tricks and they know how to, how to, to make the people believe in, in their witchcraft. And he thinks, Moses, you're probably going to have to play that role. You're going to look better than the people there, but, but Pharaoh just isn't going to understand for a long time. And you're going to have to play that part. You're going to have to play the part of, let my, of letting his people go. Because Pharaoh just doesn't understand. But he will. But at this point, he doesn't understand. He believes that he is, Pharaoh believes that he is God on this earth. But I'm going to show him something different. I'm going to show him that, that God can work through people, and specifically you, Moses, that you are going to be like God to him. Now, he doesn't, no, notice he doesn't say, I'm going to make you a God. I'm going to make you like God. And this is also a message to Moses, because if all of a sudden you have miraculous powers, that you can, you can cast, you believe that you can cast down these, uh, these plagues upon Egypt, and you think that you have that power, notice he's telling him, you're going to be like God. But you're not him. I'm still him. That God who sits on high, Jehovah who sits on high, is still the God of the universe. And you are going to, you're going to represent me to him. But in verse number three, he tells him, he said he is going to make Pharaoh's heart, his inner man, stubborn or hard. Depending on the translation that you read from. But God, and God, it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And that's always a troubling thing for us. It's like, why didn't he just soften it? If he can harden it, why didn't he just soften it and let them go at the very beginning? But you have to look at where was Pharaoh to begin with? If he had just, if he had just, we, we don't know the state of where Pharaoh was at before. Pharaoh as I said before, believed that he was, that he was God. And if, he, and if he was just to let people go without a, change, without a change in attitude, what will that represent? And we see that it's not just even a state, as, he, as we take a look at him going through the, the ten plagues over these next eight chapters. He put his own pride and his own selfishness before the needs of his people. His country gets completely decimated by plague after plague after, uh, for, for ten plagues until finally on the tenth plague, it finally touches his house directly in the killing of the firstborn. And it's not until that point that he, that he finally uh, begins to allow the people to go, only to chase them to the Red Sea. This is an example of strong but poor leadership. You can have strong leadership that's not in the right. They have to be both for it to be good leadership. Now, as, as he goes along, uh, he tells them that he is going to multiply the miraculous signs to help convince Pharaoh that this is the change that needs to happen. He is going to bring, he's going to rescue his forces, his people, the Israelites, from the land of Egypt with great acts of judgment. And he's going to raise his powerful hand so that they will know 
that he is the Lord. And that's the point behind this. He uses this as a lesson to help, to help them all know, not just the people in Egypt, but also the people in Israel, to know that he is the Lord. So he, he, says, to, uh, he says to Moses and Aaron that Pharaoh is going to demand a miracle. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to, take your, you're going to take your staff, Aaron, and you're going to throw it down in front of Pharaoh. And it's going to become a serpent. The serpent, the tanin, in the, in the Hebrew writing. Now, this is a different word than is used in chapter 4. In chapter 4, he uses the word uh, that, it, that Moses' staff became a nakash. That's a regular snake. That's a, it, it's, a, it's a strong snake, but it's just a regular snake that you would find out there. A serpent has the, ha, is a mythological being. These are going to be what the, what the Egyptians truly revered. Probably something like a cobra snake, at minimum. But it became something powerful. In, verse, uh, in chapter 4, we see that he gave this sign of the Lord's power uh, and he, he says, Then Moses, said, Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. Now, think back to chapter 7, what we just read. In chapter 4, when, when God told him to throw this on the ground, this is just after the burning bush. He's standing before God in a bush that doesn't consume. And, and God's trying to convince him, here's what you're going to do to convince the people to, to believe in me. And he tells him to throw his rod on the ground, and when he throws his rod on the ground, it becomes a nakash, a snake. And what does Moses do? He flees from it. He runs. But God gives him the courage to come back to it. He tells him to, he tells him to take, the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he does, he puts out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff again in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, their God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. This is going to be one of the signs that you are going to give. When Moses was challenged by God to face Pharaoh, Moses questioned why Pharaoh would pay any attention to him. In response, God had Moses throw his, his staff down. The staff immediately turned into the snake. When Moses picked up the staff again, it turned to its original wooden form. And when he calls again here in chapter 7, he says, it's challenged by Pharaoh and his sorcerers. This time Yahweh called on Aaron to throw down his staff and he turned it into a tanin. But why did they do this? For this? To let them know that this is, what's going, this is what needed to happen so that they could believe. In verse 30, skipping down to the end of the chapter, Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs on the side of people. And the, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worshiped. Yahweh could turn a staff into a snake and turn the snake back into a staff. Into a staff. The, the snake has no power. 
but God had complete power over it. In the garden, we see the, the serpent. But even in that, God is the one with ultimate power. The miracle of turning wood into the serpent was the inspiration that Moses needed to give him the strength to face Pharaoh. Yahweh is the God of life. He's not and the God of order. He's not the God of chaos. He's not the God of, he's not the, the God of disorder. He's not the God of death. That's Satan. And he, Satan wants us to believe that, that he, can, he can transform us and he can give us what we need. But that's not what, that's what, the, that's what a, a lie. It's not the truth. In verse 10, we see Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did what the Lord had commanded them. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials and became a serpent. So Pharaoh called his wise men, his, his skillful, shrewd men, not the, not, the, uh, not the wise men we see at the Magi, but the, but the sorcerers who practice witchcraft and the Egyptian magicians. Um, those are people who just have sleight of hand and they be able, able to trick more like a court jester than anything else. And they did the same thing with their magic. They, did, they used secret arts, enchantment to do this. But what were, what were the magicians and the, and, the, and the wise men able to do? They were, able to, they were able to create that lie. They were able to turn a staff into a, into a snake. But were they able to change it back? No, only God can create order out of disorder. And when, when, we, see, when we see this, it's trans, that's the difference between transformed by God and transformed by a magician. When we try and take the world's solutions to our problems... When we try and, and try and reach out for the, for the solutions that we see in the world that we think are good things versus looking at what is the good thing from God and following after his plan, all we're going to get is disorder. But God calls us to follow after him. He gives us word for word what he wants us to do, and we, we worship him because of that. They threw down their staffs in verse 12 and became serpents, but then Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs they were able they were not only able to transform back to a staff but God's staff the, the staff that he used through Aaron was more powerful than Pharaoh's staffs and why why is that important because Satan's magic is only a cheap copy of what God has he'll try and show you good things but it's only a cheap, cheap substitute for what we need now it also says that it was swallowed up. And there's two times in this Exodus story that that word balah for swallowed up is used. It's at the beginning and at the end of the plagues. And this story of being swallowed up by the power of God is important because it bookends the ten plagues. You see, in chapter 7, the, the protectors of Pharaoh were swallowed up. The snakes in Egypt were the protectors of Pharaoh. You'll see them emblazoned on their, on their crowns, on their, on their headpieces, because they were their protectors. But God, God was able to swallow up Pharaoh's protectors. And then in chapter 15, at the, at the, at the end of the ten plagues, when they're in the Red Sea, you come, they come and there's this the swallowing up of the of Pharaoh's army. 
In chapter 15, verses 11 and 12, uh, Miriam says, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in splendor, performing great wonders? You raised your right hand, and the earth swallowed our enemies. This bookend of this is that God is in control. In the midst of what looks like chaos, God is always in control, and his, his, his power is greater than anything else. But even after seeing this, in verse 13, Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard. It, it remained resolved. He refused to listen, just as the Lord had predicted. And thus begins the ten plagues that attempt to soften the heart of Pharaoh. And for the first two plagues... The plague of water to blood and the, and, the, and the plague of frogs. Magicians can even duplicate what, what's happening, but they can't transform it back, same as, with the, same as with the staff. But even after, the, after that, it just uh, the, the next plague, the plague of gnats, they can't even duplicate it. And then after that, they don't even try. After 10 country-destroying plagues, Pharaoh finally relents, but not until it touches his family. So what does this mean to us today as New Testament Christians? And Paul comes back in Romans chapter 9 and, and uses a quote from, uh, from Exodus chapter 9, and he says, For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or, ex or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, so that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. He uses, this, he uses this quote to show that God is the one in control, and he is going to, his purpose is going to be accomplished. Proverbs 19.21 says that many are the plans in the mind of a, of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. No matter what we try and do, God's purpose, is going to, God's purpose is going to be accomplished. But it's your choice every day whether you're going to be an object lesson or whether you're going to be a lesson by example. Are you going to follow after God and be an example for somebody else to follow? 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Are you going to be that type of person or are you going to be like Pharaoh? that was used as an object lesson from God. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. God, God hardened his heart, but his heart was already hard. He, was, he thought he was God. And when, when, and when God tried to soften it through the, through the plagues, it only got harder. It's our choice every day how we're going to live, how we are going to be a part of God's kingdom. Are you going to choose to be a part of that? If you want to learn more, if you want to become a part of God's kingdom, this is your opportunity. Every, every week we sit here and gather together, but if you want to learn more about being a part of God's kingdom, about being a part of his, about his, part of his kingdom that prevails, this is your opportunity to come and learn more about that. The elders, the, the, the staff, the deacons, we're willing to sit down and talk with you if you want to learn more. If we can pray for you at this time, this would also be a great time for you to come and do that or just reach out to us throughout the week. Let's come now as we stand and sing.